You are listening to audio from First Baptist Church in Fort Walton Beach. If you would like more resources or to watch our service online, please visit fbcfwb.org. Listen in as Pastor Wade helps us abide in Christ and advance the gospel through the teaching and the proclamation of God's Word. Well, if you saw my birth certificate, you would see that it names the place of my birth, Tallahassee, Florida. And if I see your birth certificate, I'd see the place where you were born. Well, it's interesting to note that in the Bible, we have Jesus' birth certificate. And here's the interesting thing about it. His birth certificate is given to us in the Old Testament, hundreds of years before he was born. And I want to show you the significance of the place that that Old Testament birth certificate tells us he would be born. And the place where he was born, the little town of Bethlehem. And for the next three weeks, I want to... Talk about the significance of that town, that place where Jesus was born. We're going to start in Micah chapter 5. Turn there with me, Old Testament book of Micah. Micah chapter 5. We're going to begin reading in verse 1. It may have been a while since you've been in the book of Micah, so you may have to go to the table of contents first. No shame in that. Micah chapter 5. Verse 1, you found your place, I want to ask you if you are physically able to stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word, which I'll remind you is truth with no mixture of error. This is the living Word of God. I like how one preacher said it, we read other books, this book reads us, amen? This book reads us. Micah chapter 5 verse 1. Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem Ephratah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, who, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. Let's pray together this morning. Father in heaven, we are so grateful for this opportunity to gather. Lord, to gather in your name, to sing praises to your name, to glorify you. And Lord, now in this moment, to listen to you as you speak to your church. 
Lord, I pray that as we study your word, you would move through your word by the Holy Spirit that our lives might be transformed. Lord, by your grace, I pray that we would leave different than when we walked in today. And we'll thank you and praise you for that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. The book of Micah is an interesting minor prophet. Micah was the prophet of God that the Lord gave him messages for the people of Judah. Micah fulfilled his prophetic ministry about 20 or 25 years during the reigns of three Judean kings. He was a prophet during the reign of Jotham, a prophet during the reign of Ahaz, and a prophet during the reign of Hezekiah. And his messages to the people of Judah kind of cycle back and forth between messages of judgment because they had turned their back to God. And he keeps saying, judgment is coming. Judgment is on the way. You have, you have stopped listening to me. You've stopped worshiping me. You've turned to other gods. Judgment is coming. But then there are these, these bright rays of hope that surface in the midst of these messages of judgment. And in chapter 5, the Lord, uh, through the message of Micah, looks uh, through the quarters of time, hundreds of years in the future from this moment, to the birth of one that God would send. And here in Micah chapter 5, we see the birth certificate. We see some specifics about this one whom God would send. Sinned. And this passage really helps us to understand what the Christmas story is about because we're gonna we're in the Christmas season now, we're we're celebrating the birth of our Savior, and, and this story contains four important elements of the Christmas story for us. Let me show you these. Uh, number one is place. The first important element of the Christmas story is place. Look what it says there. In verse 1. Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem Ephratah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth from me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Now notice that phrase in verse 1, muster your troops. The Lord keeps saying to his prophets, Judgment is coming, and it's coming through a foreign nation that I will send to conquer you, to devastate you, to decimate you. And he's talking specifically here about the Assyrians that God would send, who would bring great pain and anguish to God's people. And he's saying, you need to be ready. Muster your troops, O daughter of troops. He's, he's talking to the different, the different tribes. He's saying, get your, your fighting men together. Prepare for battle. Judgment is coming. The fierce Assyrians are headed your direction. But then he says something interesting in verse 2. He says, Bethlehem, this small little town, you're too little to be among the clans of Judah. In other words, you're too small to muster a fighting force. When we're taking role of the different towns and villages that send 
send militia or send an army of fighting men, you're not even numbered. You're not big enough to field a fighting force. And yet, God is going to do something in, or very significant in the midst of this insignificant, small place. If you look there in your notes, Bethlehem was a relatively insignificant town of the first century. There just wasn't much to it. It was small. It was outside of Jerusalem, not very far, but just outside Jerusalem, about five miles. And, and it, it was small. It was not known for much. It, wasn't a, 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 it did not have a large population. It was not seen as prominent or preeminent. It was just a small little village in the greater Jerusalem area, a relatively insignificant town in this time. And it was a relatively insignificant town in the time when Jesus was born. So the question is this. Why would God choose to make Bethlehem, the small town, the place where the Messiah would be born, instead of the great city, Jerusalem? Now, if you and I were writing the story, and we were going to send a great king, a great Messiah... We probably would say, well, he should be born in, in royalty. He should be born in the royal palaces of the great city of Jerusalem. But God chose Bethlehem instead of Jerusalem. Why? Well, let me give you some answers to that question. First of all, God loves to do the unexpected God loves to do the unexpected. When you see the, the story of redemption unfold, God moves in unexpected ways so that when he moves in those ways, you see it is God's hand at work. This is not human ingenuity. This is God's plan to bring us salvation and redemption. And he loves to do unexpected things like choose a small village instead of the major city to send the king. Also, he loves to use the weak, the powerless, and the insignificant when he works. As you see the, the story of redemption unfold in the Word of God, it is amazing how God uses things that, that the world considers weak. He uses people that the world considers insignificant. He does that so that when he moves through that, those weak vessels, those insignificant vessels, he gets the glory. We see as he moves and the, 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 the plan of salvation comes to fruition that it's God at work. It's not hum, humanity. Where It's God at work and God gets the glory. When great things happen in unimportant places through unimportant people, you look to the one who is accomplishing the great things. I mean, let me illustrate this. When you look at a, a, a Rembrandt painting, for example... The great Dutch artist. You look at a, a Rembrandt painting. You don't look at it and say, wow, look at that canvas. Or wow, let me see the paintbrush that he used. No, you marvel at the work of art that was created. And God loves to use tools that are insignificant in the world's eyes. So that when the plan of redemption is fully painted on the canvas of human history, you'll say, wow, look at what God did. And so God loves using insignificant places, insignificant people in unexpected ways so that he gets the glory. 
And I think there's some application there when it comes to God's saving power. God sent His Son. He sent the Messiah. He sent the Savior through a small little village called Bethlehem. Just like God used the little town of Bethlehem to bring us a Savior, maybe He wants to use you to bring Jesus to someone else. And you say, well, Pastor Wade, who am I in the big scheme of things? I'm I'm relatively insignificant in the the day-in, day-out realities of life. I'm just kind of living in my little corner of the universe. Did you know that God loves to use insignificance? Just like he brought us a Savior through Bethlehem, he can bring others to Christ, listen, through you. Amen? And so, as we look at this birth certificate in the book of Micah, we see there's some specificity here about the place. Bethlehem. That's where he'd be born. Bethlehem. But secondly, there's prophecy. Not only place, but prophecy. Look what it says there in verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be, among, to, to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be a ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. So the Lord's saying, I'm going to send a king. I'm going to send a ruler. I'm going to send a Messiah. And he's going to come through Bethlehem. Now, this was written hundreds of years 700 plus, 700 plus years before Jesus actually walked on this earth. And so the question is, well, did this come to fruition? Did this, was this prophecy, this prediction fulfilled? Well, turn to Matthew chapter 2 with me. Matthew chapter 2. I'm going to show you this. We find ourselves in Matthew 2 in the birth narrative. And in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, the Bible says, Now Jesus was born in, what's it say? Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw a star when it rose and have come to worship him. When, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. Why was he troubled? Because Herod wanted no rivals to the throne. And they come saying, we want to find this king. He says, I don't want a king. I want to be the king. I, I don't want to bow my knee or heart to anyone. I, I'm the king. So he's troubled by this news. He says, I want more information. So he assembles the chief priests, the scribes, the religious leaders... It says, he inquired of them where the Christ, the Messiah, this one God was sent, where he would be born. Look what they told him. In Bethlehem of Judah, for so it was written by the prophet. Which prophet? Micah. Where? Chapter 5. And look what they quote. They quote Micah 5. Oh, you Bethlehem in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. What are we seeing here? We're seeing that the prophecy made 700 years before Christ was born of the Virgin Mary came to pass. The prediction was fulfilled. And so, the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem 
was a specific fulfillment of a specific prophecy. A specific fulfillment of a specific prophecy. Now I want you to understand that this was one of many Old Testament prophecies fulfilled by Jesus. If this were the only one, that would be amazing. But, but this is not the only prophecy that was fulfilled by Christ when he came to this earth. So let me just give you a quick just kind of overview of the different prophecies that were fulfilled by Christ. First of all, let's talk about the, the Messiah's birth and ministry. Isaiah 7.14 predicts, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And Jesus was born to the virgin Mary. Malachi 3, 1 and 4, 5 say that the Messiah would be preceded by an Elijah-like figure who would live in the wilderness and crowd a message of warning uh, for people to prepare the way for the Lord. That happened when John the Baptist preceded Jesus. It was foretold that the ministry of the Messiah would begin not in Judah or Jerusalem as one might expect, but in a predominantly Gentile area in the northern reaches of Israel called Galilee. Isaiah 9-1 tells us that, and that's what happened. It was foretold that the ministry of the Messiah would climax in Jerusalem where the Messiah would enter that city humbly riding on a young donkey before suddenly appearing boldly in the temple. Zechariah 9.9, Haggai 2.7, and Malachi 3.1 tell us that. And that's exactly what happened in the days of Christ. It was foretold that the Messiah's ministry would contain the element of the miraculous. He would heal the blind and deaf and lame. Isaiah 35, 5 and 6 tell us that. We're told that this long-awaited Messiah or prophet, priest and king would be publicly rejected by his own people in Psalm 118, verse 22, which is exactly what happened. We are told in Psalm 41, 9 and 55, 12 through 14 and Zechariah 11, 12 and 13 that he would be betrayed by a friend for 30 pieces of silver and the silver would be thrown on the temple floor and be used to buy a potter's field, which is exactly what happened. Very specific prophecies about the birth and ministry of Christ that were fulfilled during the time of Christ. And think about the Messiah's death. The prophecies about his death. It was foretold that the Messiah would be attacked and rejected, accused by false witnesses. He would remain silent, refusing to come to his own defense. Psalm 35, 11, 38, 13, and Isaiah 53, 7 tell us that. It was foretold in Isaiah 53 and Psalm 22 that he would be bit, beaten and whipped and slain for the transgressions of those he came to save. And his death would be a painful death, and it was... In Isaiah 53, in Psalm 22, there are some very specific details about the death of Jesus. For example, Psalm 22, 17 and 18 say that he would be publicly disrobed and his clothing would be gambled away by the executioners, which is what happened at the cross. Isaiah 53, 12 tells us he would be executed with criminals and he died between two thieves. Isaiah 53, 5 tells us his hands and feet were pierced. Psalm 22.16 says his hands and feet were pierced. Speaks of the, the cross where Jesus was nailed to that cruel, rugged tree. Psalm 22.1 predicts that on the cross, the Messiah would cry out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that's what happened at Calvary. 
Psalm 22, 7 and 8 tell us that, that nearby mockers would, 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 would heap scorn upon Christ. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. And that's what happened at Calvary. We read in Psalm 22 that, that the one dying would suffer acute thirst. His bones would be twisted from their joints. His heart would melt and break from grief. Isaiah 53, 9 tells us that when he died on the cross, his corpse would be laid to rest in the borrowed tomb of a rich man. Hundreds of years before Jesus Christ was buried in the tomb of of his friend Lazarus, uh, we see that it was predicted. His corpse would be laid to rest in the borrowed tomb of a rich man, Isaiah 53, 9. And then his suffering and death, after suffering and death, he would see the light of life, Isaiah 53, 10 and 11, predicting his resurrection from the grave. And these are just some of the predictions made in the Old Testament that were fulfilled in the time of Christ. Now, now listen closely. Just come in real close for a moment. Peter Stoner wrote a book called Science Speaks. In that book, he wanted to apply mathematical principles to the probability of these Old Testament prophecies being fulfilled by one person. And so he got some students together to do this research. And they did not take all the prophecies. They just took eight. Eight prophecies. And they want to know what is the statistical probability that one person would would fulfill these eight prophecies. And here are the eight prophecies they chose. They want to know what the chances were that one man would be born in Bethlehem, preceded by a forerunner, enter Jerusalem as a king riding on a donkey, be betrayed by his friend for 30 pieces of silver, be placed on trial and the innocent make a defense for himself and be crucified. What is the, what are the, 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 what's the likelihood that that could happen in, in one man fulfilling those eight different prophecies? Well, they did the research. And here's the answer they came up with. The chance that that could happen. The mathematical probability that one person would fulfill eight of those Old Testament prophecies is this. One in ten to the 17th power. Now, they gave us uh, uh, an illustration to help us understand how big of a number 1 in 10 to the 17th power is. Here's the illustration they they used to help us understand what kind of likelihood or, or chance that would be. He wrote, Cover the state of Texas with silver dollars to a depth of two feet. Then mark one of those silver dollars and drop it somewhere into the pile, stirring thoroughly. The chance of a blindfolded man choosing the marked silver dollar is equal to the chances of all eight of those prophecies being fulfilled in one man in history. That would be 1 in 10 to the 17th power. Now listen. That's eight prophecies fulfilled. But did you know there are over 300 Old Testament predictions about the Messiah that came to pass? 300? Now listen carefully. You may be here this morning or you may come across this sermon online. And you may be perhaps an unbeliever or skeptical as to what I'm saying. And here's here's what I want you to do. 
Don't just take my word for it. Do the research. Look this stuff up. You can find it. And approach it with intellectual integrity. And say, I'll go where the evidence leads. And and here's what I believe. If you will study the prophecies of the Old Testament and see how they were fulfilled in Christ, your heart and your mind will be led to the reality that Jesus Christ is the Messiah sent from God. And so... The Bible speaks in Micah 5 of a place, Bethlehem, of prophecies being fulfilled. But third, we we see some information about the person. Look what it says back in Micah 5, verse 2. You, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. The Bible gives us some information. Again, this is a birth certificate telling us the nature of the one who would be born in Bethlehem, sent from God. Let me give you four quick things. The one born in Bethlehem would be, first of all, a ruler. Look what it says in verse 2. It says, From you shall come forth from me one who is to be a ruler, a king, a messiah, a monarch, a lord, master. That's the one who would be born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem. And, and that's important for us to remember because when we, when we step into the Christmas season, we get sentimental, don't we? And we love the Christmas songs and we love the nativity scenes and, and we love to think about baby Jesus being born to the Virgin Mary. It's a sweet, it's a tender story. It's a remarkable story. It's a wonderful story. It is a, a heartwarming story. But understand, Jesus didn't stay as a babe. He grew up, he lived, he died. He rose from the grave, he ascended to the Father. One day he's coming back. And listen to me, Christ is Lord of all. And that's what we are reminded of in this passage. The one God would send is a ruler. Second, he would be divine. Look what it says in verse 2. Who's coming forth. This ruler, his coming forth, his beginnings is from of old, from ancient days. Just like there's no beginning to eternity, this verse tells us there's no beginning to Jesus Christ. He is eternal. Now some people read the Christmas story and think, well, when Jesus was born of Mary, that's when Jesus came into being. And that is simply not accurate. Jesus Christ has always existed as the second person of the Trinity. Fully God. Co-equal, co-eternal with the Father and with the Spirit. Jesus Christ has no beginning. Christmas is simply when Jesus left heaven and came to earth. And here's what you and I need to understand. The quality of having no beginning is a quality reserved for God Alone. So he's a ruler. He's divine. And also he's human. Look in verse 3. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. When she who is in labor, that speaks of Mary, has given birth. He had a human mother. He was conceived in the womb of Mary by the power of the Holy Spirit. No earthly father, but he had an earthly mother. 
So when he was born, he was born as the God-man. Fully God, divine, eternal, fully human. Human nature. The divine God would choose to leave heaven and take on the form of a man. As the song says, fullness of God in helpless babe. That's who would be born in Bethlehem. And because Jesus is fully God and fully man, listen to me, he could go to the cross and die for your sins and my sins. As fully divine, he could pay the ultimate price we deserve to pay because we're the ones that have sinned. He died in our place. He shed his blood for us. His infinite blood was shed for us. As fully man, he could be our substitute and die in our place. So the one born in Bethlehem would be a ruler, divine, human, but forth a shepherd. Look in verse 4. He shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. This verse teaches us he would be a shepherd king rather than a warrior king. His concern would be for the welfare of his flock. He would come to gather his flock as king, as people hear the good news and believe in him as Lord and Savior. He's gathering his flock. And so these verses tell us some very specific things about the Messiah. He'd be a a ruler, divine, human, a shepherd. That's the person that God would send. But fourth and last, we've talked about the place and we talked about the prophecy, we talked about the person, but fourth and last, I want to talk about peace. Look what it says in verse 4. He shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, his sheep, those that come to follow him, they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. Jesus ultimately came to give us peace with God. That's why he came, to give us peace with God. And this peace is available for anyone that embraces Christ. It says there in verse 4, he will shepherd his flock. When you believe in Christ, you become a part of His flock. And He gives you a a peace with God. And He gives you the peace of God. He is the grantor of peace. Notice what it says. His greatness will be to the ends of the earth. In other words, people from any tribe, tongue, language, nation, ethnicity can embrace Christ as Savior and experience His peace. Now, why is that a big deal? Because I don't know if you've noticed or not, but we live in a world with no peace. You notice that? There's fighting and striving and and conflict and inner turmoil. And people are longing for peace. And true peace, reconciliation with God, wholeness of spirit... True peace only comes through King Jesus. And hundreds of years before he was born, the Bible prophesied, those who are his sheep will experience this peace. 
So we're going to talk a lot about Bethlehem in the coming days. But this morning, here's what I want you to walk away with. The Christmas story, listen, is about a place, Bethlehem, that fulfilled a prophecy concerning a person who brings true peace. May we be amazed. May we be amazed by this birth certificate that came to fruition when Jesus Christ was born. Thank you for listening. We pray you've been encouraged and inspired by God's Word. May the Lord richly bless you.